Good morning. So as Phil said, I'm Anne, this is Donna, and we are grateful uh, missionaries supported by Knox. And so thank you for your support, especially your prayers. You pave the way so that we can do as God wills and directs in our lives. So it is our honor to bring the word of the Lord to you this morning, starting with Philippians 1, verses 3 to 9 and 27 and also found in your Red Pew Bibles on page 1161. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more, and that you stand firm in the spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. The next scripture reading is from Nehemiah 1, and we will, I will read from the uh, New uh, Living Translation. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa in Persia. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. 
the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. This is the word of the Lord. Well, before um, Mary Ann comes to preach, I want to introduce her to you. For many of you, you know who Mary Ann Vocal is. She has been a long time uh, missionary sent by Knox. How long, Mary Ann? 54 years. 54 years. Come on. That's amazing. Along with her husband, Jack. Jack was uh, formerly an assistant minister here at Knox for two years, wasn't it? When Dr. Fitch was the senior minister here. So they have a long, rich history with us here at Knox. And so it is just a joy to welcome you here both. We are grateful for your ministry yesterday at the uh, Knox World Mission Conference we had as Marianne taught and Jack taught through workshops on prayer for missions. Just really strong teaching. And now we look forward to you bring in God's word, but let me, let's pray for Marianne right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the different servants that you call to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this one, for Marianne Vocal, for all her gifts. Father, we pray now that you would anoint her with your spirit and that we might open our hearts to hear you speaking to us through her. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. All right. Before I actually begin my message, I want to tell you why I think I'm here today. I was invited to speak on prayer and missions, and I learned a lot by doing it. But we are finishing as Knox Church, I am a member of Knox, 200 years from the past. In this last year, you have renovated the sanctuary, and we're looking for 200 years in the future, or 100 years in the future, or whatever the Lord gives us. And I feel that those of us who were in this part of the Knox life have the privilege today of standing at the doorway and blessing you for the future. I think that's why I'm really here. And so, let me speak to you. It was 1965, and Jack and I and our three little preschoolers had only two days left before we were to fly to Costa Rica and language school. I was standing in our almost empty apartment in Don Mills, and I was looking at a little chart on the wall. We had made it with the children a year ago, or two years ago, and it had columns for all the money we needed to raise to go to the mission field. The money for, the, for our salary, for the flights there, and for language school. The good news was that almost all the money was raised. The bad news was that we lacked $1,263 
and we couldn't leave Toronto until we had that. Now, it was challenging because back in that day, the China Inland Mission and our mission didn't allow missionaries to ask for money. You couldn't tell anybody that you needed anything. You could tell them you were going, you were praying about your support, but you couldn't tell them anything. So I was praying. You can better believe that I was praying. That evening, there was to be a farewell service here at Knox Church. All the missionaries, I don't know how all the rest of you, they had a farewell for you, but they had farewells back in the day. And so Dr. Fitch said to me, Marianne, we're going to take a love offering tonight, and if it doesn't reach $300, the mission committee will make it up to you. So he said, you can count on that. I said, Lord, you know we need a whole lot more, but I did not tell Dr. Fitch. <laughs> well, the evening came. We were in the Winchester room. Wonderful worship, lots of nice words, beautiful prayers, and then it was time to take the love offering. Well, they passed the plates, and I held my breath. And then somebody said, why don't we count it right now? That's not a very Presbyterian thing to do. <laughs> but they did. I gasped, and so did Jack. They collected that night with pennies, nickels, and dimes, $1,275, $12 more than we needed. Dr. Fitch is quite amusing, and he said, well, Midian, you can give back the $12 if you want to. <laughs> when we told the congregation what had happened, all we stayed Presbyterians broke into cheers and applause and praises to God. So my theme this morning is that we are partners in mission, in four ways, and this one is that we are partners in praise. I praise the Lord with my colleagues. We have been supported 54 years from that day I mentioned to this day. And I, I think my colleagues would agree with me with this verse that Ann Chow read us from Philippians. We thank God every time we remember you. In all our prayers for all of you, we pray with joy because of your partnership from the first day until now, and that's certainly true. But we aren't partners in praise because you give money to us and God blesses us. We're partners in praise because God blesses Knox as well. And I want to tell you a couple of ways that he's blessed Knox. I did a little history research on our church and I learned some things I didn't know. Jesse Ketchum, the famous Jesse Ketchum, in 1820, gave land and money to a little new congregation that would become Knox Church, and he wasn't a member of the church and he wasn't a Presbyterian. I thought that's a lot of grace for somebody to give us that has provided that income for Knox all these years. I think God has blessed Knox for 200 years we love Jesus to this day, and that's no small thing in the world in which we live. We love the Word of God, and we love expositional preaching to this day. We have chosen to stay down here when it would have been easy to go out there. And we love the university and want to reach it better. And we love the neighborhood and want to reach it better. 
We are a congregation with a rich heritage in cross-cultural missions and prayer, but the church has been innovated. I remember Wednesday nights when we had uh, summer fellowship, and the church was full of people from other churches, and we had dessert together back in the days when we ate dessert. We had dessert together and heard the word of God, wonderful days. And in this day, a wonderful mission hub upstairs, celebrating tonight on the eve of Ramadan to pray for it. This is a new day with wonderful innovations. God has blessed Knox. We are partners in praise, but that's not the best thing we are. This is the best one. We are partners in the gospel. The apostle Paul loved the Philippians. He loved them because they were his friends. He appreciated their prayers and their money, but you know what he really appreciated? They were partners in the gospel. He said, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It was a partnership he wanted them to continue. He said, stand firm in the spirit, striving together for one faith in the gospel. Knox began a partnership with missions in the gospel in 1871. Another thing I learned that I didn't know is that Knox helped send out the first Canadian missionary overseas. His name was George Leslie Mackay. And he went to, the, uh, to Formosa. I would have liked to have known him. He sounds brilliant and innovative, and I think he's cutting edge even today. He immersed himself in the culture, and God bless him, he learned the language as well. And he didn't just evangelize in the cities where it was easy to get around, but he went six months of the year, even with a wife, from every corner to corner of the country to share the gospel where it wasn't heard easily. He was an innovative disciple maker, outdoing InterVarsity or Campus Crusade. When he won people to the gospel, and the, I'm sure they were men at the beginning, and they, won, they had leadership ability, he took them with him on his trip. He had a traveling band of 12 guys that he taught how to be ministers in, in the mix of things, on the hoof. When they were ready, he put them in churches, and he empowered them and treated them as equals. That's amazing. He was a wonderful man who founded the first hospital, the first school, and the first museum. And the most amazing thing of all, most missionaries can't say that. Columbia has no spot in its heart for me. But he's a national hero in Taiwan. And they made a little stamp in his honor. That is a testimony to the work of God. And I, that was your first missionary. Knox partnered with Jack and me when we went to Columbia, and we were going to found a student movement in Bogota. We got a little apartment across from the, actually, you can feel, you can feel like if the university's over there, our little apartment was just across the way. And we began to invite students to our home. Jack was a teacher in the university. I studied social work to make contacts with students, and we began to invite people to our home. The first seeker, was a guy who was very poor, living in a car, very smart from Ecuador. His name was Jorge Atiencia. And Jorge desperately needed a place to stay, so we invited him to our house. And as he stayed there, Jack and Jorge studied James 
and Jorge made a commitment to Jesus. Jorge grew like a weed. He began to love sharing his testimony. He had leadership skills. He felt called to the ministry, and uh, World Vision Canada gave him the first scholarship to Regent College for an overseas person. Now, Jorge didn't speak English, so Knox Presbyterian Church offered hospitality and love so Jorge could learn English. He came back, and he was the general sec of our movement. But that was not, and we were, he was our boss. But that wasn't his real love. His real love is something he shares with us. He loves expository preaching. And 20 years ago, the John Stott Ministries invited Jorge to teach expository preaching to pastors and leaders all over Latin America. Powerful, wonderful men and women of God preaching. And today, the church in Latin America is richer because of something we did together, you and us, partnering together in the gospel. But one more point on this one. Um, we are today to partner in the gospel in fresh ways. Jack and I don't live in Medellin and Bogota anymore. We live in a North American city, like you do. Jack and I, <laughs> I love you, Jack. Jack and I recognized that we, wouldn't, we weren't called just to share the gospel in Colombia, but where we live. We have non-Christian neighbors around us, just like you do. So in October, we downsized our house and moved into a townhouse. It has two long streets with 80 families. So everybody goes into their little townhouse and shuts their garage and their doors. So how do you get in? And they don't walk out. Well, we have a dog, but most of them don't. So we don't see many people out in the street. So we began to prayer walk our neighborhood and ask the Lord to help us get to know the people behind those closed doors. Well, Christmas was coming, so we had an idea. We made little green invitations and envelopes and put our picture in it so we wouldn't scare people. And we said, we just moved in. This is our picture. We're lonely. We'd like to know you. And we're having a Christmas open house. How would you like to come and join us? And then we prayed like crazy that they'd come. I think some of them felt sorry for us, and they thought, well, maybe nobody will come, so we should go. So they did go. 26 of them showed up, and they surprised themselves. We now know 45 neighbors by name. We've had more than half of them in our house. We have been invited last week to dinner, and one of them is praying for me up here while I'm here. We've had an opportunity to pray with seven of them for not to receive Jesus, but for needs in their life, and we're praying that God would use us. It's a work in progress, but we are partners in the gospel to our cities. So now there's two last things I want to share with you. The next thing I want to share, we're partners in prayer. Every day at 1121, I get a little announcement on my telephone to pray for Knox Church, so I do. I pray for your church, and you pray, I pray for our church that same time. I'm in the bulletin, that prayer bulletin, and you pray for me, but I pray for the people in the bulletin, and every day I pray for Knox 
for Phil, for the worship leaders, and what's going on here as well. I want to tell you a story. One of your early missionaries was Jonathan Goforth, from whom the Goforth Hall was named. He went and, with his wife to China, and as they prayed over a map of, the, of China, they decided, ooh, Honan province would be a good place to go. It was dangerous, needy, and unreached for the gospel. When Hudson Taylor, I'd love to meet him, I'm looking forward to meeting him in heaven, when Hudson Taylor heard they were going there, he said, brother and sister, if you plan to enter Honan province, you'll have to enter on your knees. Well, they did go forward on their knees, but they did not go alone. Knox College friends, men and women, I don't know if there were women back there, I'll say men, maybe back then they have women, but they had women here. Knox, men and women from Knox Presbyterian Church prayed for them. And when I read his biography, there were three answers to prayer that you're a part of. Number one, in the first year, he couldn't learn Chinese. He couldn't get it. He decided he would throw in the towel. And then one night, he had a tremendous breakthrough. And he began to be able to communicate with his Chinese brothers and sisters. I'm sure they said hallelujah. But <laughs> Two months later, he got a letter from Toronto. And it said, Jonathan, we had a, a powerful prayer meeting in the spirit. I'm going to cry because this is really important. We were praying for you. That was the day he had the, break, the breakthrough. Prayer makes a huge difference, a huge difference. In the next couple of years, there was another answer to prayer. They prayed that the Holy Spirit would fall in China. In one five-month period, 25,000 men and women in China heard the gospel through their ministry. Many of them became Christians. And then this is the last one. Hear what God has to say. In 1900, the Boxer Rebellion rose. Jonathan was attacked by a vicious and angry mob. And they hit him with swords, they hit him with clubs. And as he was falling to the ground, a voice said to him, don't be afraid, Jonathan. People back home are praying for you. And he lived to tell the story. So prayer makes a difference. But what about us? Somehow in today's world, I had yesterday, we had a wonderful day on prayer. It's hard to, to find time to pray. We get busy. Even in the morning, we were trying to have a little prayer meeting out in the back, and we're rushing here and need that and looking for this and going somewhere else. Hard to settle down and pray. It's for that reason that Ashley, and I don't know who else, decided to have this conference this week on, weekend on prayer and missions. So I spoke yesterday on Daniel, and the Lord changed my life through the book of Daniel. If somebody went yesterday, you can ask them what they learned, because it was really helpful to me. But I asked God, what do you want me to say to this group this morning about prayer? And as soon as I asked the question, Nehemiah came to mind. Why Nehemiah? He's a helpful teacher on prayer because he's a layman, not a preacher. Secondly, he had a full-time job at court, in the Persian court. And thirdly, this is the kicker. Nehemiah was a missionary in Persia who was praying for the home church. And I thought, sure, this is the sermon I should preach today. 
You pray for me, I pray for you as well. This is, so Nehemiah can teach you how to pray for me and teach me how to pray for you. That sounds like a, a winner. So, uh, who was it? It was Donna who beautifully read to us. Thank you. The, these words, in late, Abin, Hanan, in late autumn, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned to, from captivity and how things were going. And the first thing he, I learned, and I would like to say this to me and us and to you, when a missionary comes home, or when, when I come to you or you come to me, let's have coffee, let's have lunch, let's talk together, let's spend time together. I can't pray for you if I don't know you, and you can't pray for me if, I don't, if you don't know me. We need to be able to have enough trust to share the stuff that's really on our heart. And I was thinking, while I've been here, I've had a great conversation with Phil and Nancy, little one with Nancy, but precious, I got to know Kevna, and she was in my prayer time yesterday. I got to pray with Kristen and Fran. It is a privilege to know each other, and I think the Lord wants us to deepen our relationship in prayer. Then Nehemiah goes on and surprises us. In the text that Donna read, he writes out his prayer. And when you read the timing, you realize he prayed that prayer for four months until God answered it. We, I think we often pray for something and we're done. You know, like five minutes and I'm done. Or maybe I pray for a half an hour and it's over. He prayed for four months and he prayed with heart. He sat down and wept and cried and mourned and fasted and prayed. Many at Knox Church wept when our daughter Lisa was dying in Columbia. She was at death's door for two months. And you wept with me, and you sent one of you down named Jerry Rodman, who came down to comfort us. Made a huge difference. I have been praying for Hanukkah's Jackie. Maybe you know about her in the missions thing. And now God is having her walking. Our prayers matter. We're crisscrossing the globe. And I pray for you here at Knox. But the most important thing that Nehemiah prayed for are these. He praised God for the blessings that God had given and who he was. Then he reminded God of a promise that he would bring blessing if they would confess their sins. And then Nehemiah does a brave thing. He searches his own heart and the hearts of the people, and he prays this prayer, which I want to read even though Donna read it to you. He said, I confess the sins we as a people including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws you gave us. It would have been very easy for Nehemiah, who wanted the blessing to come to Israel, to say, oh God, forgive those sinful people back in Israel that caused the exile. Or he could have said nicely, Oh God, forgive the sinful people back in Israel who caused this. Would you forgive them? He didn't do that. The power of his prayer lies in his humility, honesty, and identification. Forgive us. Um, there are no thems and we and me's, we and them, us and them. It's all of us together. The reason this is really important to me 
is 18 months ago, Jack and I were associate pastors of a church in Tucson. We called a pastor, name is David, and I believe with all my heart to this day that God called him to come to be our pastor. He um, is a kindred spirit in so many ways. He loves Jesus. He loves to worship and pray. He wants to be full of the Holy Spirit. And his desire is that everybody in our congregation shares Jesus and makes disciples. I have been blessed by David, and my life is not the same. So you might ask, so what's not to like about that? Well, as it turns out, our pastor doesn't come from a tradition like most of us here. In his tradition, the minister makes every decision that the church has every decision that the church has. He does not know how to work with a team or leaders or elders, and to my knowledge, he's never asked the congregation their opinion about anything. As the former leader, it was painful to see somebody who, with great intention, wanted to change everything that had been done in the last 15 years because it wasn't good enough. Um, we have sought to share our concerns lovingly, and we have done that. But I'll tell you the blessing. Friends, the blessing is this. When something hard happens, it's so easy for resentment to rise up at us, and angry feelings, and criticism, and, and judgments, and self-pity. And the Lord really called me to die to myself and our leaders to humbly come before the Lord honestly sharing with David our concerns, not hiding them, but in the name of Jesus, laying down our stuff. And I thought about this. Again, there are no us's and them. We are all proud. We all get our feelings hurt, or we hurt other people. And sometimes the issues are really important. We all are tempted to criticize and judge, but you know what it does? It's like a big block that stops the blessing and stops the flow of the Spirit. So, I am very grateful that we're partners in prayer and confession here at Knox because we want to be clean-hearted people. And I would like to say this. I'm not anything except a missionary and a member of Knox Church, but if somebody here hurt you, I would like to stand as a Christian and ask forgiveness for whatever hurt there was. And I would plead with God at communion today, you could lay down any bitterness or sadness because clean hearts are filled with the Spirit. And I long to see this church full of people, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the presence of God, spilling out to the street. So we're coming to the end. We're partners in the promise. In 1973, that little apartment I mentioned in Bogota was bursting at the seams. Our kids were getting bigger. We had two students living with us. All the meetings of our group were in the house. Lunches, Bible studies, large group meetings, prayer groups. We didn't have a family. We, had a, we lived with, and sort of lived in the church or in the ministry. I prayed and we prayed God would give us a house. And then one day we came to the corner, there it was. It had, it had all the, nobody ever opens all their blinds in Columbia, so all the blinds were up and I realized it was for sale. 
the downstairs could hold 100 people, had a living room, dining room, den that were all one thing, five bedrooms, bathrooms, I mean, everything you could dream of if you were a student worker. So we were excited. We asked God, could we have that house? Would, I'd like to read you the devotions that night, our family devotions. We asked the Lord to speak to us about the house. This was the actual reading of the day. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet is too small for us. Can we go down by the river and build a bigger place to meet? And this place was one block closer to the little river that flows in Bogota. The Elisha said, go! And they said, will you come with us? And he said, I will. Well, through that text and a few others, we felt the Lord was saying, yes, yes, this is the house for you. So everybody prayed and they thought I'd be a good person to come north. Jack had to stay there and work. He was teaching in the university. So I traveled to our supporting churches and I had amazing stories, which I'm not going to tell you this morning, except for one. What happened at Knox? Knox, you remember Jesse Ketchum? Well, that property that Simpson Sears was built on renegotiated the rent every 20 years and gave more money to Knox considerably more. I arrived on the 20th year. They gave it in a certain month. I arrived on that month. Who knew? And there was a board of managers meeting that night. I arrived in the night when they were deciding what to do with the extra money. And so they listened to my story and saw my pictures. And they decided to give the rest of the money that we had not yet raised. And the Lord, today that is the office of the national movement of the Colombian Christian movement in Bogota, in Colombia. And this coming June, we celebrate 50 years of the movement. Jack and I are going to go back. When we started praying for this meeting, one day when Jack and I were in our time together, the Lord gave us a promise for Knox. And it's in your bulletin, and I would like you to take your bulletin out if you'd be patient enough to do so. I believe with all my heart that this is a, a promise for Knox Presbyterian Church. It's what he wants to do, it, what he wants us to know. Haggai 1, 13 and 14, 2, 2 to 6 and 9. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of the leaders of Knox Presbyterian Church and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. And in our day, houses and building its people. Speak to the leaders, Knox Presbyterian Church. Speak to the remnant of the people and ask them, who of you is left who saw the house, this house, in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem like nothing? But now be strong, all you leaders, declares the Lord. Be strong, all you people, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, that I would dwell among you 
and be your God. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. He loves you. He has great plans for the church. And I'm here today to bless you. And I'm inviting any missionary colleague, past, present, to come down and just stand with me as we thank God for your support and bless you. That includes my dear Nancy Howard as well. Please come. Anyone who, you don't have to come, but if you will, do come. <clears throat> Bless you, my colleagues. How lovely to have you, Gus. I haven't seen you. Bless you. This is a holy moment. I stand at the threshold of the end of 200 years towards the next 100. And I feel God brought me here today to pray this prayer and bless you. Be patient with me, let's pray. Holy God, I praise and thank you for the 200 past years. I thank you for Jesse Ketchum, who gave the land and the money so that Mock's Church could begin. I thank you for every minister, every layperson, every man, woman, and child who've been a member of Knox over the last 200 years. I thank you for every teacher, every worship leader, every person who made coffee and tea, of which we're so beneficiated. Lord, I want to give you praise for the congregation who has supported us missionaries way back from Ms. Dr. Mackay, the Go Force, and each of us. I thank you for sacrificial gifts and the way it supported us to do ministry on the field. I bless Knox Church for that legacy, and I thank you. And today I read, you said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Lord, we confess over the 200 years that we too are sinners, each in our own generation. We ask you for our pride because we felt sometimes better than others or more spiritual or something like that. We ask you, when you we, forgiveness when we have depended on ourselves and not on you. We humbly ask your forgiveness when we have criticized or judged others and left a judgment stain in this church in Jesus' name. We repent of criticism and judgment, and we ask that you would break it and cleanse it in the name of Jesus. And we ask forgiveness when we've got our feelings hurt and we've nursed resentment or bitterness and we repent of bitterness and resentment and we pray that you would cleanse it. We ask that you would forgive our corporate sin. Forgive us when we've hurt leaders or when leaders have hurt us. We forgive them and we thank you that the living ones forgive us. And today, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would cleanse Knox Church in its history of any leftover sin. 
We pray for cleansing in the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. Holy Spirit, come and uproot any bitterness, uproot any judgment, uproot our pride, uproot anything that holds it back. And we ask that you would bind the enemy in any way he used our sin as a doorway to enter in and harm us in any way. We command the enemy to leave in the name of Jesus. And we pray now that your Holy Spirit would fill this room and fill this building. You are the rock, Lord Jesus. Open the rock and pour out water on this congregation. Pour out your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would come and bless. And we as missionaries extend our hands and we bless the new generation. Every ethnicity, every person, every man, woman, child, boy and girl. We bless Kristen as the worship leader, the choir, Phil and Ashley and all the other staff. And we pray, Lord, that thank you that you said in Haggai, I am with you, don't be afraid. I am the Lord your God, and the glory of the future house will be greater than the glory of the past. And we ask this in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen.